You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sanger Molly says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Thank you for tuning in to the Flip My Funnel podcast. This second part of a four-part series, Culture Eats ABM for Breakfast. Hey, and I am Nicole Rose, president and COO of Mojo Media Labs. Mike Rose, Mojo Media Labs founder. And the last name is not um, an accident. It's not coincidence. We are, in fact, married. So husband and wife who run run a business together. And I know what you all are thinking, because it's always the first thing that people are thinking. How in the world do you work could with you your ever spouse? Work with your wife? I yeah. could never, dot, dot, dot. We hear it all the time. It's because I'm so incredibly patient. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. We've been tossing around uh, starting a podcast on our own. Um, I won't share what the name might be, but, but you might come. hear more, more to come. Let's, more get, to come let's get back to the topic okay. here. So right. thank you, Sangram. We appreciate this opportunity to, to, to put on this podcast for you. Um, hopefully we don't embarrass your community too badly, but um, we really enjoyed shooting the first episode, which was about culture. It was about our values and our mission and, and our purpose as an agency, which really set the foundation to talk about the topic we're going to address today. Yeah. So again, the, the, the name of the series is uh, Culture Eats ABM for Breakfast. And you know, in essence, what we say is, geez, you spend a lot of time and money trying to, you know, get great customers. But to keep those customers, you want to be able to have a great culture to be able to deliver great work to those customers so they'll stay around and be happy. And so that's the simplistic aspect of it. Although I will say that, you know, I would say that it's a heck of a lot more fun to be at a company as a great culture. It's not just to keep customers. It's for so many reasons. But Today's episode, um, we, we talked about kind of in our first episode where we started and how we went from what wasn't the culture that we wanted five years ago. So have hope for those of you who maybe are struggling right now with your culture. You can turn around. I promise you, if we, if we can do it, you can do. So we talked about where we started, which was our, our values and our, our mission, our purpose. And today we're going to be talking about something I'm really incredibly passionate about. Yes, I know you are too, but I'm like, I'm really passionate about OBM. So open book management. And for those of you who may not have heard of open book management, it's in essence a way to create trust and transparency um, in your business. And the ultimate goal is to create a business of business people who think, act, and feel like owners. And really once, once that foundation of the culture is established and you feel like you've got a trust and transparent culture going, then for us, we asked our question, we asked the question, what's next? What else can we do to really build an exciting environment for people to want to come to every day and then leave knowing they, they contributed to something that was much larger than what their skill set can deliver, but something something that will drive folks to engagement. So mm-hmm. without, without that foundation, uh, getting to the engagement is really hard. But the process of going through getting people's way in, buy-in, ownership, commitment to finally get to that engagement um, is pretty exciting because it's 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 a well-known statistic that about thirty percent of U.S. workers say they are engaged in their work. Yeah, that's kind of scary, and that's that, that that's 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 engaged. I mean, that, that's kind of scary. So 
where it comes to where it comes to open book management, Mike and I are believers that people come to work each day to want to do a great job and they want to be able to help, right? And oftentimes within businesses, all businesses, there are there are problems, there are issues, there are areas you know of improvement, and almost always those are reflected in the numbers, right? But since most businesses don't actually share the numbers within you know the business, how the business makes money and how the business loses money, then it's very difficult for people who are within the company who are coming to work each day wanting to do a great job. Um, to truly know how they can have the biggest impact at the company. And we talk to a lot of owners that are a little skeptical or perhaps even scared to share certain numbers within their business. And, and you know, that's okay. And that, that's something that um, is, is you can get over with a, with, with a process that is delivered to the right people. So for us, teaching financial literacy, uh, first understanding it as an owner, and then, but being able to give and teach financial literacy to everyone within the company is, is a really exciting process. Mm-hmm. I will say, and I understand those, I understand those, uh, you know, business owners or, you know, entrepreneurs who may be a little timid about sharing the numbers. The fact is it's, you know, it is like you, you don't, you're not hiding anything. I mean, it's, it's out, it's all out there, right? The only thing that we do actually not share is individual salaries um, within our organization. Um, but other than that, and quite frankly, I'm not sure that, you know, one point we might, you know, we might change that, but um, everything else we, we share. And what's really cool though, is that with open book management, it's not just about sharing information. So we get a lot of, you know, people who might be a little confused on what, you know, open book management is. And, you know, they're like, oh, hey, you know, I mean, I've, I, I show the numbers to my people too. I mean, I, you know, I'll show a profit and loss, you know, to everyone once a month. That is not open book management. Open book management involves everybody within the organization to where they actually have responsibility and, you know, to, to not only report out and help to forecast and to, you know, and, and to have the decision-making ability on, you know, how money is our spent. So there's a lot more accountability. And depending on the size of your organization, it depends on who's all involved and how they're involved. But for us, when we keep saying the numbers, we're talking about primarily the numbers that are on your profit and loss statement. So beyond just gross revenue, uh, we're talking about gross profit, right? All the costs that are involved to, to deliver your product or your service to your customer base. And then beyond that, it's about all the line item expenses that, as they say, are below the line, below gross profit that go into keeping the business running, right? And each one of those general ledger line items is what basically we share. And with that, depending on the size of your organization, people or managers or departments or sometimes just individual folks within the organization as a whole can have line item responsibility to actually manage that line. Yeah, it's true. It's really cool. So first of all, within our company and how we manage open book management, um, as Mike just said, almost all of our team members have what we call a line item responsibility. And so in essence, we have, we have one gentleman, he's a digital marketing specialist on our team and he manages our general office expenses. And so if someone needs, you know, to buy office supplies or needs a new computer that all funnels through him and he understands, you know, what we have budgeted and is also part of, which we'll get into here in a minute, one of our rituals with open book management, which is our weekly huddles. He understands where we are for the month and can make a decision on things that we should be purchasing now or if we should hold off until later. I mean, 
And what's really cool is that here at Mojo, we say that we all win together and we all lose together. So hopefully we're winning more than we're losing, but we have what's called a stake in the outcome. And that is if we are meeting the the, the company goals or in, in our case, it's, you know, meeting our profit goals, you know, as a company and everybody in our company has, you know, the opportunity to impact that, then everybody wins. And yep. so um, we'll talk about kind of the bonus plan that we have put in place. Um, but just to give you an example, I mean, Mike and I have seen swings in a month to where, you know, we may have forecasted the first week in the month that we, you know, we might be not having an awesome month, you know, that month. And now we know it and just, you know, not even by adding new sales, um, but by other means, maybe, you know, people making di- different decisions on, you know, spending money later, you know, versus now um, we've seen, you know, swings of 10, 20% in the positive from, you know, bottom line profit by all working together for the same common goal. Which is really the first step is really deciding what you want to share and then figuring out what is the number, what is the critical number that you want the entire company to rally behind. For us, we decided to go right to the bottom, right? Our number is profit before tax, or as you could also call it net income, um, which is basically after um, gross profit and after all of your expenses. In our experience, and other folks that have been practicing open book, when they push that critical number too high up on the profit loss statement, like perhaps gross profit, but sharing gross revenue isn't necessarily too transparent, nor can everybody in the company impact sales. So by being giving everybody the opportunity, first of all, the financial literacy, explaining how the business operates on a very fundamental level, then when you the deeper you go down the profit and loss statement and sharing your critical number, you're basically just bringing more, more, more people in your in your army to actually help you hit that that critical number. And mm-hmm. as as we've said, you know, if 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 your if your business is making five million dollars or your business is making fifty million dollars, you know that the majority of the people think that that money is going right in the owner's pocket. Yeah, that one really blew me away. And it, that was uh, when we rolled out Open Book Management and we, you know, we started uh, doing this. The feedback from the team was almost in unison that. Um, they, their eyes were wide open on what it actually takes to run a business and all the different aspects and elements and expenses. And every single one of them was surprised at actually how much it took to run that business. And that there was, you know, pennies on the dollar, you know, who that, that actually ended up on the bottom line. And speaking of pennies, Nicole did this great exercise to kick off open book to the entire company. And that was everybody basically got a hundred pennies. And then she went around the table and said, okay, we have to pay, you know, payroll, how many pennies and from um, a percent of a hundred do you think that would take? And now we have to pay rent. Now we have to pay the, the, the accountant. And now we have to pay X, X, Y, and Z. And the amount of getting people to think as a percent and then what's left over truly at the end, uh, people were pretty, it was pretty eye opening, right? It was pretty insightful. Mm-hmm. And then we said, wait a second, beyond net income, uh, we had a, actual discussion around EBITDA or earnings before interest depreciation and taxes. He said, now we have to pay our taxes. We have to pay additional uh, expenses as it relate to that. Yes. The old tax man at the very end. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was a super fun exercise and was pretty impactful for the team. So, so where do you start? If this is something that's, you know, that's of interest maybe in your company to, to roll out open book management, we've had a lot of people ask us about, well, how do I get started? So we're going to, we're going to kind of walk through some of the fundamental steps um, to actually get you started with it. I will say though, that 
that rolling out an open book management program and truly rolling it out, you know, holistically, it's not easy. It's a commitment. It does take a good amount of effort up front and then ongoing. It's a true commitment. So unless you are ready to, you know, to jump in with both feet, <laughs> then um, don't, don't, don't think you can tip your, t- you know, dip your toe in the water. You're not going to get the results. And ultimately you may just not want to move forward with it. So, so where to start? And first of all, it starts with, you know, creating a budget and a plan. It sounds pretty simple, but, you know, I'm actually surprised at how many businesses don't start this process. And it takes months, you know, typically to put together a really solid year's budget with taking into consider consideration what are your strategic goals, what are your growth goals, what expenses are you going to need to, you know, incur to be able to hit those goals. Um, so it takes us, you know, a good three months to kind of go through and, you know, reflect on the the, the year where we want to go the next year and and then plan it out. So it starts with creating that first. Yeah. And put some to put some more context around creating your budget or your plan, if you will, is whether you're running a small business or you're running or you're part of a much, much larger organization where you're if you're running a department or a division. If you're running a department, if you're running a sales department, uh, you can do an open book management huddle that way as well. Um, as a matter of fact, many, many larger organizations have several huddles that happen that roll up into the master budget. So if I have five salespeople, five uh, BDRs and five SDRs, and, and you know, I'm managing multiple additional expenses around that, you basically are managing a mini P&L. So getting everybody engaged in not just their number or the department's top line revenue, but to get them to truly see how that department can contribute to the master budget is pretty special. Yeah, completely. So after you've created your your budget, and Mike talked about this a little bit, but is is picking what your critical number is. And so, you know, in businesses, there's so many different things you could focus on, so many different data points, numbers, you know, it's just exhausting, right? And so the whole purpose of a critical number is to have, you know, one have the most important, the most critical, you know, number in your organization that the team is rallying around. And typically that should be the number that if you hit your objectives, then, you know, then bonus, you know, kicks in and people, you know, the whole team gets rewarded. Yeah, exactly. So um, as, as Mike said that we chose uh, profit before tax. And so from that, it's, you know, we show our revenue, we show all of our cost of, you know, sales, which is what it takes to deliver on the revenue and then, of course, you get gross profit, and we show then underneath gross profit all of the expenses, right? Rent, yeah. everything, fees. everything. <laughs> and then, you know, beyond below that is then net profit. So the reason we chose that is twofold. Number one, we felt like that could be the best way to give a clear picture on really what's going on and be able to have everyone really, you know, contribute to the company as a whole. Because even if you hit your gross profit goals, it doesn't mean that you're controlling your expenses well, and you may not be profitable. And I should, I, sorry, I, I assure you that there are really creative ideas that happen when you really mm-hmm. put the, the challenge out there to say, how can we not just reduce expenses by X percent, but when, when then people have creative thoughts and ideas and around how they're really going to move a number. And if the number isn't directly related to their job, their skill set, what they were quote unquote hired to do. But it really gets to be exciting when it's not you or the department manager or head who has to come up with those creative ideas on how to to drive a, a number to, to completion. Oh, my gosh. There's so many stories out there <laughs> within Mojo, but then, you know, just out in the community that's, you know, really fanatical about practicing open book management on, you know, just some of the ideas that have come up that have saved companies, you know, 
millions. And the famous the famous story in the OBM community is the straw story, where this restaurant chain, many restaurants, were, were opened up, started open book management, and opened up the book to every books everybody in the company. And one day, a server came up with an idea to ask if customers wanted a straw. Simple mm-hmm. question, right? It was part of his line item was like, you know, these straws, consumable, other, supplies. consumable supplies, right? Yeah. And he, he thought that, hey, if I ask people who want straws, opposed to just giving everybody straws or extra straws, then I can I could potentially make an impact. And that company saved over $7,000, I believe, on, on the budget by simply asking that question. Just which, on straws. Just on straws. And then another, and that led to more creative ideas and then a momentum that started by saying, hey, we're throwing away a lot of silverware. You know, the silverware is going directly in the trash and it's not going to the washer to come back out and be used again. So then uh, somebody installed a magnetic piece onto the trash cans to help attract (laughs) and and collect uh, spoons that were able to be saved. And that saved another twenty-five dollars or $28,000 a year in this pretty large organization. So Sometimes it's not all about the big numbers. It's about how the creative ideas and those little numbers can add up. And then how, what, what, what a sense of pride that, you know, uh, the server and the, and, the, and the dishwasher had in order to have that type of impact on its company and ultimately everybody else through a bonus program. Yeah, to give a couple of funny examples here at Mojo. So I remember one gal, this was probably about a year and a half ago, and she was managing actually the, the line item where coffee you know, was, I think it was doing a lot of those expenses. And she noticed that people were making, you know, a lot of coffee at the end of the day and somebody might just have one cup and then, you know, and then the rest is being thrown away. Well, she saw how much, you know, we were spending on coffee and said, Hey guys, you know, from now on, if you're going to make coffee at the end of the day, you need to make sure you need to go around and make sure that people are going to drink it because we're wasting coffee and that's a waste of money. And I chuckled because I'm sitting here just overhearing, you know, this person talk to the team, you know, about this. And, you know, it wasn't wasn't me or Mike saying that it was it was her. And, and, you know, people listened. And even to this day, you know, fast forward you know, to this day, that still happens. Secondly, one of my favorite stories is uh, we had an intern who was working with us for the summer and she was in one of our huddles. And actually, it was announced that we were hiring someone. And everyone's like, oh, great. And her first question was, did you use an employment agency? Because she knew that employment agencies, a recruiting fee, she knew that an employment agency was very expensive. And so she, you know, piped up because she was hoping that 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 wasn't going to hit the financials, which would impact, you know, the bonus. So, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Some of the stories that, that come up in a really cool way. And I tell you um, that the key word to that clearly was intern. And I think our millennials get a very bad rap, but they, they want to work for purpose. They want to work in a place that appreciates them, but also invests in them. And we can invest in getting certifications and improving their skill set and perhaps even helping them down their career path. But they want more. They, and and for, for open book management, by delivering financial literacy and explaining not just how a budget works in a business, but how the budget can actually work in your personal life is, is truly for us anyway, living our purpose, which is to enrich lives. And I think we, most of us would agree that 
our, our colleges and our high schools don't do a great job at teaching uh, finance in the sense oh of my how gosh, to manage no a way. budget. No way. In fact, if anything, they, they do harm to it. All they do is on campus pushing credit cards and, hey, you can afford another this, student okay. loan for that. Yeah. Anyway, okay, well, let's move on. So we've talked about the, the, the budget and we've talked about then uh, picking your critical number. And then the next part about rolling out, this is really important uh, as far as open book management, is forecasting. So, gosh, one of the most frustrating meetings that Mike and I used to have many years ago with our accountant um, was our monthly meeting. You know, it was a monthly meeting that usually happened two weeks after the, the prior month. And in that meeting, we were told, you know, how well we did or how well we didn't do. But at that point, we couldn't do anything about it. And that was the most you know, frustrating part. It always felt like we were after the closing of the books. Yeah, yeah. after the closing of the books. It was like I always felt like we were looking in the, you know, rear view mirror instead of, you know, out the windshield. So somebody told me recently there's a reason why your windshield's larger than your rear view mirror. That's the one oh. you can see much more out of if you really pull up clever. the right. That's <laughs> very clever. So forecasting, and this is a this is a this is a difficult thing for people to get their mind around. But in essence, forecasting is forecasting how that particular month that you're in will end. So let's just say, for example, if it's March 2nd and you know you're, you're, you have a line item general office expenses, the goal is for you on March 2nd to have, a, you know, to have an idea and a forecast of what, how much we'll be spending That's in general right, office so expenses, budget, right? how much we'll be spending in general office expenses in March. And so forecasting is just that we can, you know, we can forecast, you know, from a, all the way from revenue to, you know, down to expenses, which then leads me into the next part. Well, of- real quick on forecasting. Um, so what you're doing is forecasting for the month, as Nicole said, that's tied to the master budget. But the trick is you're, you're forecasting each week for the month. Some people think that when you do weekly forecasting and weekly huddles, you're forecasting for the week, but you're actually forecasting for the entire month. So you would expect then that the number I forecast on the first week of the month may not be the exact same number if you're dealing with variable expenses opposed to a a static expense, right? A fixed expense, that number to get a little more tighter as you go through the month. So an example would be forecasting on line item and sales. If I'm forecasting $100,000, I'm taking into account the pipeline that potentially could close this month. So if a deal gets at the end of the month, gets pushed to the next month, you have to reforecast for that week. So mm-hmm. it really teaches, I don't want to say just individual people, but it teaches people in the entire organization how to properly forecast. And by forecasting, you're looking out through the windshield, whereas otherwise you're really looking in that review mirror on, on previous periods that, as Nicole said, there's nothing you can do about. Yeah, and I'm glad you clarified, and that's where the confusion comes in. People think if I'm in you know, week one, I'm, I'm how much are we going to spend this week? No, it's how, what is the month going to end like? So, and, and it turns out where budgeting is hard, but forecasting is much, much really harder. Hard. And the better you get at forecasting, the much better you'll be at budgeting. Yeah, it's kind of a game around here to see if we can get the close closest <laughs> to you know yeah. what the actuals come out to be. So then, so then, where where does the forecasting happen? This is where the magic uh, is within OBM. So again, I think we've got twenty five or thirty line items on our you know budget. In essence, our our profit and loss. You know, statement, and we go through it on a weekly basis with the entire team, and everybody comes prepared who have has a line item responsibility to you know to state what their forecast is that week for that month. So we have our huddles are always less than twenty minutes. It's Mondays at eleven a.m. Um, Mike and I, by the way, we don't leave these at all. In fact, we have line item responsibility, but that's that's it. We just participate you know along with the team 
So everybody knows that, you know, that every single week we are reforecasting to see, you know, how we'll end up and see what the, you know, whether we've improved from last, you know, last week's forecast or not. So, and as each person is doing as uh, providing their forecast for the week, for the month, then if, if there's a 10% generally, if there's a 10% variance in their forecasted number compared to the monthly plan, then there has to be a story behind the number. So a story is explaining why there's a 10% over or under budget so that the entire company can understand or the people participating in the huddle can understand and how they might be able to reforecast or how they can change their line item in order for that particular section, whether it's gross profit or net income, can be at, uh, attained by the group as a whole, not just by that one line item. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. And, and you can you can imagine then, you know, by going through this process and everyone's so familiar with the numbers, you know, there's no question from from folks why decisions are made. You know, I mean, because people understand the numbers, they understand, you know, why sometimes decisions have to be made and it's reflected in the numbers and they get it. So that really contributes to trust. You know, it's not like that when you're not, you know, sharing this information with people because then it's like, why, why did, why, why did, why is that person not here? Or why is that client not here? Whatever the decision is, you know, it's, it's very transparent as to why decisions are being made. I'm glad you brought that up because that ties back into our first episode about trust and transparency. It's one thing to say you have a culture about trust and transparency, but to actually put mechanisms in place like open book management and being very transparent about how your company is performing or how your department is performing is really living the culture of the transparency that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So two other two other parts, and these are really important parts in terms of uh, open book management. So the next is the bonus plan, right? So you know, trust me, almost even without the bonus plan, I think people really enjoy the process of open book management. And just, you know, first of all, from a, from a standpoint of, I've heard from people, they love knowing, you know, they love understanding truly what's happening in the business. You know, they may have worked at a company in the past where they didn't know and all of a sudden they were laid off. And so, you know, good or bad, it's like people want to know, they want to understand what's happening so they can help and then just, you know, feel more confident. How many, how many, how many folks do we go through the hiring process where they've been laid off and they said, if I would have just known that I, I could have tried to, I could have I could helped, have tried to right? Help. Yeah. And the fact that you guys share this information allows me to have more of an awareness to where I can do what I like to do. And that is help. Yeah, exactly. So the bonus plan. So, so we've set up our bonus plan to where it is a uh, level one to 20 level bonus plan. And it's super simple. It's basically a lookup chart, right? So it's based on hitting our PBT goals and based on hitting goals and whether we exceed goals, the team knows that they have the opportunity to earn between 1% and 20% of their salary, you know, with the bonus. And so based on what our PBT is through our forecast, people can look up on this chart to see where we are. And at the end of every huddle, people go right to that number, right? Which yeah. is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. And so, I mean, sometimes you're, you know, sometimes you're a thousand or two thousand dollars away, you know, from kind of the next level. It's like, how can we get there? And so, I will, I will say that putting together a bonus plan is not easy. I'm happy to, I'm happy to talk, you know, through in detail with anyone who's interested in that. That was one of my big concerns with this is, my gosh, what if we put a bonus plan together and we pay out a bonus, but we don't have the cash there. Unfortunately, so I'd, for heard us, so many, I'd heard so many horror stories about that. Exactly. And for that, for, fortunately for us, we talked to a lot of other companies that practice OBM and we really were able to kind of 
squash some of those fears that we had going into it. Because if you have a fantastic Q1 and you're paying out a big bonus, you don't want that to put you into cash flow problems uh, in Q2 or on. So that that said, there's a there's a formula that we have put together to pay out that bonus to where you don't also cash strap the company. Yes, um, and that's a whole podcast in and of itself. So we'll move on. But the, you know, probably one of the most interesting aspects of open book management. So we've talked about the real fundamentals of open book management, and the last thing we're going to touch upon really quick is called mini games. So uh, we all have problems in our business. The idea of mini games is. In, it gamifies, um, everyone loves games, right? And gamification is, is business you know, just, and games. You don't go together. <laughs> the whole idea behind a mini game is to solve a problem by implementing a game. And so we call those mini games because the idea is, and I'll give you an example of one of them we had. One of our issues was time tracking. And so we put together, we were having a hard time getting 100% compliance with time tracking. And in an agency world, you know, I mean, that's, that's our currency. So we couldn't figure out where the issues were as well, because we didn't know what was happening from a time perspective. And so we put a mini game in place to where, you know, people, if they track their time and they were compliant with it, it was this whole big, you know, game board and everything that then they, you know, all won together. And again, it's, 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 we all win together. We all lose together. So say, for example, if there's one person, one person who didn't time track, you know, effectively in a day, they first of all they got pressure. People were watching and making sure, but if, but, but periodically there there still was that one person who, you know, maybe didn't do it. And if even just one person didn't do it, then you know they didn't they didn't get their you know they didn't get their their goal for that day. And so the idea behind the game is that along the way there are small prizes. You know that through the you know maybe sixty nine days you're playing this, and then there's a grand one, prize at the end. Oh, the one mini game that we that we played here. The time tracking mini game that we did was blocking. Well, this is yeah. So, so I think the one you're referring to um, is is time blocking. So, one here's another issue that we are experiencing is that people were getting interrupted a lot. You know, it, we have an open environment, you know, in our workplace and everything, and so people would just pop and buy oftentimes. And as many of you know, if you're in that kind of environment, it's hard to not so much it's hard slack to, and yeah, everything it's else. hard to get back. It's exactly it's hard to get back into the zone you were in. Um, so distractions we were finding was eating a lot of you know good quality time. So the team put together um, this mini game called Time Blocking as a Beach. Yes. <laughs> All it takes is a little yeah. creativity, right? <laughs> exactly. And so this whole, um, it was this big, you know, cute little board that was created by the team that was a little pathway of, of flip-flops, you know, walking through the walking through the beach. And so, you know, of days that we successfully had this time blocks, you know, place and everybody adhere to them, um, that they would get a, you know, flip-flop and, you know, one thing. So the idea is, is you want to improve behavior and you want to fix small problems. And before like Nicole that. talks about kind of the, the mini prizes and then the master prize, if you will, the big prize at the end of the, the mini game, generally mini games are designed in, in 90 day increments. You want them to run a quarter and a mini game should solve a problem that's preventing you from getting to your critical number. So mm-hmm. in our case, we felt that distractions in the organization because of our environment was creating the lack of hitting certain numbers in our company. So that said, you might be thinking and asking yourself, wait a second, I'm paying out perhaps up to a 20% bonus. And then I also have to pay out for these, for the prizes in these Mm. games too. But as Nicole will explain here, it's not sometimes the big things that encourages people to, to, to perform, uh, to hit these, these numbers in a mini game. 
it's 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 making it fun and all the mini games should be fun therefore the prizes should be fun too. oh my gosh yeah and in fact we won't get too much into this but you know we encourage everyone to try to figure out what the what the value is what are you what are you trying to save and then you know just look at a small percentage you know of that from mini game prizes and it is it does not take much to you know to move behavior it's more about the recognition and you know and fun parts so like for, for example, that, yeah. like, for example, with the time blocking as a beach, one of the prizes was, you know, taco lunch. And what was cute about it is the whole team brought things that, you know, reminded them of the beach. They had like a beach umbrella in the office and, you know, and things like that. And they all sat on the floor under their beach umbrella and, you know, had tacos and it was fun. They celebrated. It's I mean, reward, it's a, right? it was a reward. And, you know, and so sometimes we've given a few hours of, well, PTO back then, but we'll talk in our next episode. It's not a more PTO. No more paid time off. So in the in the example of this, in the first thirty days, if they hit the milestones, they got a taco lunch. In the second thirty days, or at the end of the first sixty days, they did a margarita. I think they did a margarita and a luau, which was kind of fun for team building and whatnot. And then lastly, as Nicole mentioned, the prize at that time was. I'm looking at the chart here, four hours of paid time off. So everybody was dialed in and focused on the end result. So that's open book management. Hopefully that gives you a, you know, a, a good viewpoint on, on open book management, ending on kind of the mini games. Do you want to kind of talk about where we are in our four-part series and what everyone can expect coming up next? Sure. So we are just completed the second part of the four-part series. The first part was talking about culture or our vision or specifically purpose, mission, and values. Really excited to talk to you today about open book management. Next, so another block of our culture is grow. Results only work environment. Yes, it's about the results. That's going to be a fun one. A very interesting one. But you got to tune in next. Yeah, you got to tune in next. It could be controversial for some people. But And then the last episode, we'll be sharing some um, actionable things that you can take away, you know, into your business to improve your culture, culture, you know, today. So thank you for listening. My name is Mike Rose. And I'm Nicole Rose. And this is the series on culture eats ABM for breakfast. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Thanks. Sangram here. All right. You already might have heard that I launched my newest book, ABM is B2B. So I want to give you a gift for being a podcast listener for some of you have been listening it for the whole year and a half and, and send me so many messages. So I want to gift you. I want to gift you a copy of the book. I'm not asking you to buy. I'm literally gifting you the copy of the book. So if you text me at 33777 with the keyword ABM is B2B, simple as that. Text me when you get a chance. Don't, don't drive and text like when you stop. It will be in the show notes. So just take a look at it. The keyword is ABM is B2B and text me that keyword at 33777. It will add, ask you for a physical address so I can ship you the book. And I just want to say thank you. I am super excited. Hopefully I can uh, get this book to as many of you who have been a loyal listeners and evangelist of the Flip Platform podcast. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.